What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. Hey, welcome back. It's Food News and Shoes Radio. Hello, Sylvia. Hello, Jeremy. How you guys doing? How are you, guys? Good, Sylvia. Did you get a haircut? Yeah, she probably could play. Um, it looks nice. Sh- uh, shave my. <laughs> That's not, good. You're Get not as bold as I am. <laughs> you're not as bold as me. No, I'll never catch up with you. So, happy holidays, everybody. Uh, the holidays are fast approaching. I know that Azure, I heard a rumor that you guys added a second date for Feast of the Seven Fishers. Yeah, it's kind of hot off the press. We we always picked one day, and it was around uh, Christmas Eve. And we picked uh, Thursday, the 21st this year. Um, before we even got the advertisement out, I think the previous year people and uh, had wanted to come back. So that yeah. filled up almost immediately. Uh, so once we kind of got our head around it and got the table situation figured out and looked at the calendar, we've now opened up Wednesday, December 20th at 7 p.m. for the same menu. Oh, that's cool. I'd love to tell you about it. The Feast of Seven Fishes, we've, we've talked about it a lot on this show, but the midnight celebration of the birth of Jesus, it's a big... Uh, feast and typically you know Italians won't eat meat so they do fish instead Uh, so we have a representation of seven different seafood dishes in here Um, and let's see here I start off with fried calamari this one honestly I wanted to try something different but I keep getting asked to make this over and over again so the fried calamari uh, that's topped with uh, chickpeas and roasted tomatoes and raisins and toasted pine nuts and roasted red peppers. Uh, it's kind of like a tapenade that kind of sprinkle over the, the fried so like calamari. A, almost like a, like a Spanish or Mediterranean kind of approach to it? Yes. That sounds delicious. Right. And then next up we do a salad and we take uh, shrimp and mussels and steam them off with lots of lemon and garlic uh, and chill them. Uh, chop that up with celery and mint and lemon and extra virgin olive oil and farro, which is that grain. It kind of, it's interesting because it mimics the texture of the mussel. It has the little bit of a slight chew to it. And it, it, it uh, honestly, the little grains kind of get, they, they attach themselves to all little vegetables. And it's kind of like a chewy, crunchy, yummy little salad. I love oh, wow. it. You know, okay. Seafood. Then we go on to linguine with red clam sauce. Uh, we steam red, uh, you know, lots of clams off and then make kind of a light Pomodoro-style marinara with it. Onions, garlic, lots of oregano and tomato and white wine and all that clam stock. Uh, serve that with linguine. And then we do sautéed flounder. So we lightly flour the sauté and roll it around in uh, brown butter and cook that and top it with piccata sauce, which is onions and garlic and capers and lemon. And finish with a little bit of white wine and butter. Um, flounder is a much underrated fish. It's yeah. so good because people just deep fry it. They bread it and fry it, but it's so beautifully. Well, it's just. A you'll be- never get me off of that, though, at Red Lobster. <laughs> <laughs> what is Fried it? flounder. Fried flounder at Red yes, Lobster? And cheese biscuits. <laughs> yeah. It's, a deli- it's such a delicious. It's a very delicate fish. It's very thin. Yeah, like I imagine it's hard to butcher because of, you know, being a flat fish and all. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of time involved with butchering that fish, but it's so forgiving in the pan. It's so quick to cook. You can literally just put it, flip it, and it's done. done. We cooked a lot of that in Charleston. A lot of the day boats would bring back flounder, so it was really popular on our menu there. So I've cooked a ton of it. Um, And honestly, I'm going to tell you right now, the 
I like it just a little pan fried. That's yeah. the best way I think to have it. That's you know, right. it's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, we go into seared scallops next with Parmesan polenta and brown butter sage pan sauce. Then we okay. go into blue crab aglio e olio. So we got crab that I'm going to soak in olive oil and garlic and oregano, <laughs> and then just drape that over a creamy white truffle risotto. Um, and last, that's the end of all your fishes. There is a dessert. It's panna cotta, which is the Italian custard. Um, doing chocolate hazelnut and or, you know, your Nutella flavor, right? Uh, so chocolate hazelnut almost pudding. And I'm going to serve a cranberry almond orange biscotti on top You're of that. You're not going to do like a, like a fish ice cream or something just to keep it? Yeah. In. <laughs> no, I've seen enough of those disasters on Top Chef. Yeah, that was yeah. the, I, I'm kind of convinced that 90% of chefs out there know how to make one or two desserts yeah it's really kind of baffling me and i see it more and more do, 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 everyone should know how to make one or two desserts off the top of their head Whether i mean you're if you're a professional chef you you should yeah. you should have a few yeah yeah you but should you should be able to make one or two things just just from oh i got people coming over boom yeah do, do you guys have this i know you probably have a thousand go by the way if you want to make reservations, make make them at AzureRestaurant.com or call Azure. Go, but you got to have reservations for the dinner, right? Yeah, well, you do, you got to call. We do secure this one by credit card. Um, don't don't be afraid. We're not going to charge you. You know, it's really more to secure it. Now, if you know, show us. That's when we sure. you know because we we prepare this food for the people that show up, and yeah. we're talking about flying in seven different types of seafood from seven different areas. It's a big deal for us. Yeah. yeah. Um. Hey. So we count on you. Um, so that's it. So that sounds great. Um, do you, I was going to ask you, based on what you were saying, do you have a go-to dish that you make? Like just something that, that you're sort of in your family or your friend group famous for that you, you know, if you got people coming over, you can whip this up. Noodleless lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, my own creation. Why what about you, Twitch? Well, tell oh. me what, what do you pull out of your back pocket? You know what? If I got people coming over. I'm probably gonna throw some stuff on the on the flat top and do like either either like a like a hibachi style stuff because I I like to cook for crowds you know I cook for so I've got like like five or ten people coming over I'm gonna do like a uh, like a hibachi style like uh, fried noodle or fried rice dish in the backyard because I have the you know the big blackstone I, I love that mm-hmm. and if not I'm going to braise meat. Whatever, because I, I don't think you can go wrong, because most of the action for braising meat happens in the oven. You want, you want my go-to? Yeah. Jeremy. Yeah. That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> works. It's like, a, have you seen those ads for uh, Domino's Pizzas? Yeah. Where the emergency pizza. Sure. Yeah. And then the guy comes up through the drawer, you know, and hands the guy oh. a pizza. So Jeremy comes up through my... Kelly, <laughs> but she's good about it. She gives me fair warning. Now, there's there's some folks out there, you know who you are. It's like, come on, man, give me at least an hour notice, yeah. right? You know. Um, but no, Sylvia's Sylvia's pretty good about it. I, uh, so you do bra. I think braising meat is a complete mystery to most people. I think it's a great it's way an to art, cook. Right? No, not really. So most of the action takes place in the oven. So if you're going to have people over, it's a great thing. You can do it ahead of time and then put it in the oven. And What's while you're braising, having, though, what, it, what do you do? You're to cooking braise? it in a very small amount of liquid. So generally, I'll do so in I'll a do, sealed vessel. In a sealed with vessel, a, like with a, the minimal amount of liquid. Possible. Very little. And it, when you think, <laughs> if you think it needs more liquid, the answer is no. So yeah. It's not, so I, it's not. 
You don't have to them. stir it. It's it's braised food is very unfinicky because you put it in a low oven and you walk away for three hours and you have fun with your guests and you talk and then when you pull it out, well, it's a big the, it ta-da. Sounds, it sounds. I guess I sort of think of it as being just the opposite, braised with some kind of sauce or something. Really, yeah, it does the whole thing. You, so, all right. So the chef that I learned braising from in culinary school, uh, Chef Nogel, and he was our French classical chef, and he was a absolute terror. I mean, he was so um, technical. You know, he, he everything had to be just out of the book. You know, mm-hmm. especially in the culinary school. I don't think he was like that in real life, but for his classroom, he wanted to instill proper technique but he always said you know searing sealed container sealed vessel and he would let us use one thimble of liquid yeah um now do you have to do that no i think what he was trying to do was teach you proper technique as in you really can't do braises at a high temperature it has to be low temperature yeah and if it's sealed then you don't have any moisture loss so um you don't really need any liquid the the natural juices come out now sylvia with the we talk about the the, the sauce I usually put enough liquid to cover the braise by a third. That way, when it comes out, well, one, I chill the meat in it overnight after it's done cooking because it reabsorbs yeah. that juice. But then I need enough juice left over to do, I don't know, 20, 30 per- portions, sure. right? And yeah. that juice has to be reduced. So I use a lot more liquid than, say, my French classical chef taught me to use. It's but, different when you're cooking for a restaurant because you have to have enough gravy or juice. Or yeah. if, you, if you're doing it from one of my favorite things to do is take a chicken, put it in like an enameled Dutch oven, put it in there, and just put in pounds and pounds of sliced onions. Mm-hmm. Oh, and just cover talking. it with sliced onions, salt, pepper, put it in the oven, and let it go for three or four hours. And those onions will give you, at least in my opinion, all the juice you need. I agree with that. That is, And that's one of my good. favorite things to do for Anything a with tons of onions. I love right. onions. Yeah, you know, and that's the whole... Mirepoix was usually underneath your, your braises or your roast. In fact, I mean... It, grow, it shows up in the most classically or most probably braised dish in America, which is pot roast. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys always throw your carrots and onions mm-hmm. and potatoes in there with it. And that all kind of stemmed from those old school braises with the mirepoix as the base. Yeah, and pot roast is just an American version of beef bourguignon. I mean, it's just beef stew. That's all that is. How often yeah. do you entertain? <sighs> I try to a lot. Uh, at least once a week, I like to have people over. You have people. Usually, over. friends, neighbors. Neighbors, I was going to ask. Yeah, I like you know. I'm nosy. I'm a big fan of just impromptu. Come on, I, so I always keep emergency food in the house for for entertaining, because I love. Hey, my neighbors are having a drink. Well, All come right. over to my house. I'll I, cook. What's emergency food? So yeah. I'll always keep. Okay, for instance, I'll always keep some cooked pasta in the fridge. Okay. Uh, you know, in the freezer. So I'll cook it, boil it off. Throw it in the freezer. I can whip up a quick pesto or a quick ragu or a quick, you know, a quick pan sauce. So I I keep it in Ziploc bags, and it's in the freezer, a couple pounds of pasta. When people come over, boom, we're having pasta. And that's super. If you got capers and olives and olive oil and a couple tomatoes, you got a great pasta dish. So that's probably my go-to is there's always cooked pasta in my freezer. And then you put what with it? Olive. Usually olive oil. if, if if, if, if If I'm doing it fast, olive oil, garlic, capers. Uh, usually sun-dried tomatoes. No meats, though? No. My wife's vegetarian, so oh, honestly, okay. for I try to do a lot of... Bread? Usually, yeah. Usually some kind of bread. I like to bake bread, though. Hey, everybody. This is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day. 
plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen. Yeah. I like to bake bread. You know, gosh, I you're a brave guy. I'm at the point, I think, in my life, I've done a lot of baking at home. And I can do it. It's a three-day process if I want to make it really good or right. even close to someone like, say, Bluegrass Baking Company. So I don't know. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm leaving the baking up to those guys. I go by Saturday usually for a loaf. And that's, uh, I you're buy You're lucky it. if you can find any lucky on a Saturday. Yeah, you're right. you got to get there pretty early. you got to get there early. What do you keep in your, what's your emergency, like, entertaining food if you have to? So I don't do that. Um, I don't entertain on emergency. Well, he's here always in the <laughs> restaurant. Yeah. Yeah, your <laughs> life is an emergency. Yeah, come on down to the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that, honestly, that's the truth. I mean, a lot of, that's what we probably do. my life is planning entertaining. Yeah. So I don't really go with the just come stop on my by. favorite thing in the you world know? is to have you having a couple drinks with people and say hey come back to my house we're gonna cook and just iron chef it just whatever we got in the kitchen we'll figure out something and we'll we'll drunkenly cook for 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 some strangers so you'd be surprised that in my um in my fridge right now there's two pounds of butter um the the condiment in the side drawer is completely full with asian condiments pickles mm. mustards all that different stuff but actually i mean we keep some bell peppers around a little bit of uh different cheeses and lunch meat but i try to i try to shop kind of daily i, I live mm-hmm. really close to the sure grocery yeah. store mm-hmm. and, and i don't know what my kids are going to want to eat we're we're very finicky in our family like you have to decide that day Plus you're on the go right i mean that's what it's like these days. I mean, I don't know when we're even going to be home. I mean, it's no, just no, crazy. we get we get home at um at nine o'clock. Yeah, yeah so we got concerts, all kinds and of stuff kid going stuff, on. and there's always a sporting event. <laughs> hey, um, I want to know if you have food plans in England. You know what? Okay, you you guys are gonna think I'm crazy. And I feel well, like we I, already know you are. This is a safe place, and I feel like I can say this with you guys. Do you know one of the weirdest things? Because I'm going to vacation. We're going to go to London for Christmas. Do you know what one of the weirdest things I'm super excited about? And I'm not joking. I'm being completely honest. I want to eat in foreign in, in, in foreign versions of our fast food. Okay. That's mm-hmm. kind of cool because mm-hmm. they do have different items. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like Japan has a different yes. set of items. So it India. turns out in the UK, they have, a, they, they have different items like, say, McDonald's. They have things you can't get here mm-hmm. and vice versa. Burger King has a completely different menu over there. Taco Bell has British. Fish and <laughs> chips. Yeah. So I'm like very curious to try. For instance, one of the things in, in England people tell me is McDonald's has amazing what they call fish fingers, what we'd call fish sticks. Right. But evidently they're amazing. And I can't wait to try those. So uh, there are some pretty cool options out there for you. Have you seen the world snack boxes and stuff? No. So these are subscription services, and I, I got one for Eliza, my daughter, last Christmas, but now they've kind of increased in options tenfold, and you can buy uh, a one or a one-year subscription, and every month they send you a box of snack candies from around the world. So you'll How have fascinating. Yeah, and they're, it's not expensive. I think it's fifty bucks for the year. So it's just little things and trinkets with different languages and stuff you would never think about that, that they eat and snack on. That's a great gift. Yeah, it reminds me though this front page story uh, for on the business section of the New York Times a couple of days ago. Michelin starred restaurants may be the pride of France, but fast food chain's debut marks yet another advance by American dining culture, and it's Krispy Kreme donuts. 
Wow. They're making it across the pond. But it's not them the alone. Pond. I mean, it's five guys. It's all kinds of things like that. So said so they're just clamoring to get in. Uh, lines, uh, KFC, Burger King, well, you Starbucks, can't dispute Domino's. That, you can't dispute that America is the king of fast food, right? I mean, we're the— And it's a cultural phenomenon, yeah. you know? And it's good. It's good. If but you— is that translated both ways? I mean, when's the last, say, foreign restaurant concept that opened here that you remember lines around the corner? I don't. I can't. Mm-mm. Yeah, I think, You're right. I yeah. don't think we import much. Are you, That's are a very good is question. It, is it our marketing engine? Is it corporate marketing that, you know, uh, even the brands of American products are in the, the brains of people across the world that don't even have them? You know, I think... I, I think there's that. I think that, you know, listen, if you pick up someone, you, you go to a country, pick a random country where they don't speak your language and you show them a, a McDonald's logo or a Coke logo, they know it. Oh. So there's that. But I also think that certain food is so processed to hit flavor centers in, in you know, in our reptilian brains. Sugar. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sugar. It's so, it's, it, it's so scientifically designed to uh-huh. be enjoyable for the human tongue that i think no matter where you go if you pull cheetos where you get that orange stuff exactly. on your fingers if you took someone from papua new guinea who had never eaten a cheeto and gave him a cheeto they go this is pretty good yeah and then you lick your fingers and it's even better right uh yeah no so but you are you said something about at one time you were going to have dinner at one point or another in a nice indian restaurant indian upscale white yeah. tablecloth because it was actually you jeremy that talked me into that yeah that's true if you're gonna because that's a different experience i mean we have i, I don't know how to say this guys we've talked about this before but there, there's not a whole lot of fine dining ethnic restaurants in america in lexington's no. in lexington yeah, yeah right. in america I, there's, there's some but there's some in lexington no we don't for some reason we don't we won't pay Thirty, forty dollars for an entree, right. an Indian entree. We just don't. Why do you think? Why do you think that the, the, the French-based cuisine has kind of become the? This is what we'll pay a lot for in America. Yeah. If it, if, it, if it seems French or seems European, continental, we're willing to pay a lot for it. But you're right. We ex, we expect value mm-hmm. out of certain ethnic cuisines, even though they're just as much of an art form as other food they can be now on, on the other side note i have to say after eating at, at a lot of them for my life they're also not using the highest end ingredients you know oh, they're right. not using local or not using organic we're talking about but the, they're also not charging for that i mean there's right. it's very much a better value than they're charging in my yeah. opinion but i don't think they're given the opportunity to or maybe they don't want to 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 be on a showcase on a pedestal and taking their cuisine and using, you know, the finest farm-grown ingredients and highlighting them in a in a way that's like, you know, artful. Yeah. Um, that would that would demand that kind of price because it's, of the labor behind it. It's know? less about the art and more about the food just being yummy. Yes. And I, I tell you, some of the some of the best. And I get it. You're not going to get a bunch of people that they don't know what it is to pay a big price. I mean, I think you kind of have to have those lower cheaper ethnic options to introduce the cuisine to a population it's true yeah 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 Yeah, so what in lexington is there any indian restaurant you can point to that's kind of different a little bit but no masala is pretty good it's over in your neck of the woods very good taste of india nicholasville road has continually impressed me in terms of their their food yeah um 
But uh, the I've been to one fine dining Indian restaurant, but that was in Vancouver. And yeah. that was I kind was of the one I'm comparing it to because yeah. it was a, a totally different experience. That mm. was the play Bourdain went there, didn't he? He did a, 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 a he was doing a Vancouver episode. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. He might have gone to Vegas then. I, I, it was Vegas. That's it. In a moment, we got a lot more food to talk about, a lot more food news to talk about. I know we have uh, rice. We're going to learn. We're going to break down rice in the next segment. So don't go anywhere. It's Food News and Choose Radio. Hey, welcome back to Food News and Chews Radio. We've got a lot to learn. It seems like a basic ingredient, rice. You eat it yeah, with beans. But, uh, you... but you never know. You know, you go to the counter and it's like, here's basami. Is it basami or basami? What is it? <laughs> basmati. <laughs> basmati. I can't even say it. Mm. Yes. <laughs> and then there's just plain old rice. And then yeah. there's wild rice, like in Minnesota, which right. actually isn't rice. It's, it's not even a rice. It's seaweed. But... Is it seaweed or a grass? It's some kind of gr- grass. Some kind of I'm grass. Seaweed. But it grows in water in like bogs, <laughs> right? In Minnesota, seaweed, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, that's but that's really good. Like uh, the burgers you make from wild rice. Yeah. You brought me a recipe. I tried them. I thought it was good. It wasn't something that that caught on quickly here, but I think that, you know, have you ever seen that where you take wild rice and steam it off till it's soft and mix it with vegetables, bind oh, it and make so a burger? Good. No. It's a oh, neat they, veggie burger. They serve it all over the place in Duluth, Minnesota. So, okay. So when it comes to rice, what we're probably accustomed to, everybody else, everybody's white long grain mm-hmm. rice. Yes. And that's, that's the standard of rice. But when you go to, you know, if you're eating risotto, it's a different kind of rice. If you're eating Indian food, it's risotto it's rice. It's a different kind of rice. Yes, uh, that's called orborio rice, and that's a short. Oh, it's on that list, yeah. Yeah, it's a short grain rice. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that matter? Well, it, it it cooks differently. The short grain rice is probably a third to a half as long as the other right. long grain right. rices, but right? How does and, that matter to me? And, uh, well, it's very dense. So typically you would have to saute it and add lots of diff- lots of liquid to it. It would take weddings, so to say, or covering it with liquid three different times in order to get it tender enough. So it's almost like cooking like a dense grain. Um, and it, it kind of soaks up the liquid as you introduce it and keep stirring. You don't really steam it with a lid. Does it taste different? It's creamier, and what happens is oh, the the boiling and the cooking yeah. and the stirring of that arboreal rice, mm-hmm. the the starch breaks down and falls off the side of the grain and kind of mixes in with the liquid, and it starts to get creamy and rich. Um, now, typically, they're finished with creams and butters, which you don't see a lot with rice. That's mm-hmm. the only rice typically that's finished like that. Uh, now, other grains of rice, say like a jasmine or basmati, ba- basmati is going to be more your Himalayan variety whereas um you know jasmine's going to be south asian so so what's the difference say because uh basmati people think you know they seem to say that's really cool it is cool it's a why it's a very long thin fluffy rice um the the cooking uh it can be done by making a peel off as in sauteing the rice and Mm -hmm. oil and vegetables and then steaming it up or just a straight steam but it's just a long fluffy rice i wouldn't exactly call it fragrant i think it's pretty neutral i don't think it has a whole lot of different flavor now the one that's kind of the next one over jasmine rice the one from yeah, southeast it's, asia it sounds like it smells good it's yes that's exactly right sylvia so i i call it aromatic 
Um, and you saw a lot of jasmine rices planted in the South Carolinas in uh, the plantations uh, in the South. So they call it like Carolina plantation aromatic rices. Is that like Carolina gold? Is it different? Yeah, Carolina it's it's a different. breed of jasmine. So they have a it has a uh-huh. fragrant f- flavor to it. I mean, I, it really does have a nutty kind of perfume. It's not just there to, to take up space. It actually adds to the dish. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Nutty. So I typically try to not you know cover that very much whenever i do jasmine it's typically steamed um if i was going to fry rice like most people would do in you know say primarily in south asia if that's a a a, an option for you then i would use a different variety of rice your long grain rices break up when you cook them again so what are we doing wrong in america when we make rice most people make rice it comes out mushy it comes out like the grains don't really have a lot of separation it comes out a lot of times like a paste yes so well, i think it's overcooking yeah it's overcooking in too much liquid um it really there and we don't wash it you know yes. washing your rice at the 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 beginning to really? till the water runs clear and there's i always not, ignore that i know everybody does and what happens is it kind of makes your rice stick together and be kind of clumpy almost like you're scooping mashed potatoes out of the pot yeah and that's gross to me you want a nice fluffy where you can see each individual grain so really you do need to follow just the instructions on the bag because the water ratios are different for each type of rice okay with the exception of arborio which is the risotto one and I just get a stock pot of water and stock boiling and just keep adding it. You know, it's usually like a half gallon. It's yeah, that's lot. not a set it and forget it kind of in rice. Risotto, uh, you're right because it is creamy. Yes. Do so you have to do something to it to make it that flavor? You flavor it with different things. Like you can have Parmesan risotto, right? And various kinds. But so you just cook it right, and it comes out like that creamy. It, it has right? a natural creaminess, but it's often finished with cream and cheese. Uh-huh. You know, it's it it the the starches of the rice help the cream. I mean, it just eats up the cream really easily. Mm-hmm. So it's not a problem that cream and then finish with cheese, and that's your flavoring uh, ingredient. Now, other risottos like um, they use arborio or short grain in Spain to make paella uh, around the Valencia area. So that would. Um, you wouldn't finish that with cream or cheese. Um, yeah. a, a risotto milanese, or the way they would make that in Milan, would use be more of an Andalusian Spanish kind of feel to it. More just saffron stock than not finished with cream. Maybe some butter. Is that more of an American thing? Because you don't think of cream and butter as Italian ingredients. Uh, well, no, I think that a creamy and cheesy risotto is definitely Italian. Okay. Um, but it, it's it's not a necessity. I think I think we think risotto has to be creamy and cheesy what so about brown rice so brown rice is it hasn't been stripped so it, it's really the, the the same kind as your your normal long grain except for the cooking Earthy, is going to be a little different because it's got that the husker so to speak is it like white on. flour versus wheat flour it's better for you yeah exactly yeah okay. have you ever had tadik tadik is basically when it's a it's a persian thing right uh and You have a crispy rice crust on the bottom of your pot when you're making tadik. And and typically I've seen that done where layers of potato are Mm -hmm. put down in oil. I've also seen bread. As in you use the Lebanese flatbread and you put that on the bottom of the pot with oil. And it creates some kind of barrier between the pot and the rice. But the barrier has oil in it. So as you cook for a long period of time, it crisps up the, the potatoes at the bottom and the bread at the bottom. 
and you flip this entire pot of rice over, it's like a mountain with yeah. a hard crust of crispy rice and or bread on the top. And it's a presentation. You flip, you cover it, you flip it over, and you slam it down, and you cross your fingers in hopes that everything released. And the way you make that is you boil rice in water for seven minutes. You boil rice in water for seven minutes. You don't measure it. Then you drain it and just let it steam. Yes, that's right. You really, um, and I love that method. In fact, I think that's... One way to alleviate all your bad rice cookings out there. Now, if something is a little bit lost in the draining of that initial water, yeah. but I'd rather you just kind of boil it till half done. Right. Pour off all the water, put it back in the pot, and use the water that's left over just as a steaming element to bring up the rice. It may take a little longer, but it's going to come out good. Putting a towel on the top of the pot, like a dish towel, Mm -hmm. and then the lid is a good method as well. I never thought about that. That's a very good idea. I think what it helps is it, it doesn't allow too much steam. As in, it's not overcooking. Because otherwise, it would come hit the top of the pot and then go right back into the... Yeah, I think so the, the towel kind of absorbs some of that moisture. That's a great technique. And, yeah, it really does. So it does... Because I want sometimes a nice, dry, fluffy greens. So. What's your favorite way to eat rice? Do you have a, a favorite rice dish? I, I do a lot of rice, and I mix it with... Oh, this is a great dish. This is one of my made-up ones. Uh, cashews. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's just pouring green vegetables and everything that you can saute. So it's like onions, lots of onions, and cabbage, and broccoli, and um, and then I do. I've still got a little bit of the Minnesota wild rice, so I do that. And I like mine really crispy rice. I don't know what you say, but I I don't overcook it. In fact, yeah. I could probably cook it a little bit more, but I don't. And so then I kind of saute all that together with teriyaki sauce. Ah, I think see, I think mom. Sylvia's kind of like me. And tell me if I'm wrong, but when it comes to grains. Pasta maybe a little underdone, like al dente. Yeah, yeah. Under but maybe like over. cookies and bread, kind of a little doughy underdone. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think in general we cook everything a little too long. Well, only thing yeah. good about that's green beans. <laughs> yeah, I like my eggs a little underdone. You're right. I want my 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 grains a lot. Yeah. I want my pasta al dente. I don't want it yeah. soft. Yeah. You know, one thing I feel like I've been messing up cooking for 20 years now. Well, I really I'm just realized about two weeks ago. I don't think I've been cooking asparagus long enough. Really? I think really at the time I learned it was it was trendy just to put it in the pot of blanched salt water, you know, get it green, shock it in ice water, and then barely heat it up and, you know, have it be crunchy and sweet. And I think... I think we've been doing it wrong. I think you actually need to blanch a little and longer until it's do? just tender. And it would it, make it softer? It kind of makes it softer, yeah. but I, I but think I I've think, been serving it too raw. I think in a high-end restaurant, I think that would be preferred, preferred don't you? A little bit crispy, you mean? Uh, or a little softer? Yeah, crispy, I think. I like it uh, I like it when it does cook. Like so I always roast my asparagus, and I like it when it gets a little charred. And it sort of softens up a little bit, but I like the char sure, on it. I like all See, I think what it is for chef or our cooks is we, we blanch it so we have that bright green. Yeah, and right. We want that on the plate. It's we want that bright yeah, green. The, the longer you cook it, the more char and the less yeah. color it has. So I think we've been getting it off the grill a little I bit longer. Maybe. Good. I mean, yeah, it's good. We're not, I'm not, it's not my favorite green vegetable, but that's pretty What's good. your favorite green vegetable?
Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. Oh, let me think for a uh, cook till they're dead. Green beans. I agree. With <laughs> hawk, ham, hawk in That's it. And all that. That's yeah. southern cooking. I mean, yeah. Green beans are one of those things I where I don't eat that much. You either want them barely cooked or cooked all the way. Like just yeah. cooked till they're mush. Yeah. And there's no in between. But yeah, broccoli's the... pretty good if it's sautéed. I don't like totally raw broccoli, but so like best broccoli, I think, uh, my family likes broccoli, you know, like Fields does my son. But, you know, yeah, if you get three out of four, you're doing right, pretty yeah. good, right? So the grilled broccoli is my oh, grilled, way yes. to oh, yeah. go. And, you know, I think a light grill, do the blanching and shocking like we talked about, mm-hmm. the salted water, and then shock your, your, your broccoli. But then get your grill ready. And, you know, olive oil, your... your your what broccoli shocking? Shocking, shocking means to take it out of the boiling pot of water after and you blanch it, it and then you put an ice yeah uh-huh. so it just immediately what does that do so if you let the the broccoli or green vegetable continue to be hot it'll wilt and turn brown but the immediate shock kind of locks in the chlorophyll and sets the flavor and the texture uh-huh. so you really uh, the color and the texture um, so after you blanch, shock your broccoli. If you grill it, I love taking uh, shallots, garlic, rice vinegar, sriracha, soy, and a harissa and shaking it up in a squirt bottle and pouring that vinaigrette on the uh, broccoli while it mm-hmm. grills and it flames up and chars. And okay. Whenever you kind of get done and it's cooked the way you like it, finish it with more vinaigrette and some really creamy, smoky blue cheese. Wow. Um, that's a great grilled broccoli dish. I think in general, I think like what you just said is we do not do a lot enough with vegetables to make people like them. We, we get mad at people for not eating enough vegetables, but the way we serve them is here, here's some boiled peas or here's some boiled broccoli. And, you, and then we go, why don't my kids like them? There's boiled broccoli. It's not good. But like you're saying, take a little extra. There should be more than one. You know, it, it does need a little bit more than salt. It does. You know, and I love the idea of like turning it into a star on the dish yeah as opposed to just it's just there because we have to have a green vegetable yeah i think that you have to kind of treat the vegetables as the center of the plate i think we we spend a lot of time worrying about the pork chop over here yeah and that's kind of the easy part that's going to be what it is right because you you meat plus fire equals delicious (laughs) kind of yeah yeah it's kind of a cheat like if you got a good piece of fatty meat and you apply fire and salt to it it's yeah, perfect. It can't be wrong. Yeah, just getting a yeah. few different preparations for each vegetable that yeah. is a good idea. So now, what are you going to eat on Christmas Day? Oh, and God. Will you be in England? I, well, no, no, we're going to be here in America. Oh. You guys want to know what our Christmas dinner is? Like, yeah. no joke. Yeah. Sir Pizza. Okay. What now? Sir Pizza. What? Sir Pizza is open on Christmas. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I it like is. Pizza. It's a. It's a tradition. It's a. It's a yeah. Christmas tradition. Is you're a weirdo. Pizza. Yeah, I you know, do, right? Yeah, on your Valentine. What, There's your nothing like Sir Pizza do. on Christmas yeah. Day. Yeah, man, it's it's a it's a pizza, dude. I I grew up eating it around right. here, so I'm not I'm not a hater at all. I I at my age though I the um I 
I, I stay up all night after I eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. That's why it's only a, cri- it's, it's a Christmas thing for us. <laughs> I'm not making That's it. a great idea. I'm not making what it. Do you My having? daughter-in-law is manicotti. Oh, wow. So did you kind of break tradition, or is that something you guys are doing? Well, we every year we've done Chinese with our son and daughter-in-law. Yeah, sure. And this uh, year she says, oh, I want to work with the kids and do manicotti. We well, can't like, beat that. Fine. That sounds like fun. Yeah. It's like yes, you're going to make it. You're going to make it from scratch. Children, yeah. yeah, get the kids involved, and they'll eat it because they made it. Yeah, because otherwise, she makes a great egg Caesar. rolls are kind of like manicotti. You know, mm-hmm. you know they kind of are. They're the, what will you do this year, <laughs> Chef? Uh, so we'll do Christmas Eve at home, and then Christmas morning we'll wake up and kind of do the kid thing, and we hop in the car and go to Maysville to my oh, wife's okay. parents' house. Yeah, do they spend cook the rest or of the day. Yeah, you? yeah, it'll be a full spread with her side of the family. I don't. I do prime rib. For Christmas, um, for Christmas Eve, and the yeah, yeah. But there, there's also usually some country ham and a little mm-hmm. bit of sliced turkey. Uh, it, that that one's kind of a big meal. Thanksgiving, we've toned back to just doing you know one dish and a few sides and keeping it, you know, uh, pretty simple. Actually, yeah. everybody pitches in with more of a potluck. Do do people like when you know you're going to your in laws for Thanksgiving or Christmas or, or do people get nervous cooking for you? They did not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, now you're just now you're just Jeremy. Yeah, everybody. But in the did, beginning, but... they're like, we got this hot shot chef's son-in-law or uh-huh. you know cousin, and we gotta we gotta make it. They're like, do they do they like have to go all out? Yeah, they tried. <laughs> they tried. Well, honestly, what would happen is I'd show up and be like, all right, get you know, you go ahead and cook for us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. What what kind of sweets do y'all have laying around? Is there anything in particular during the season that you have? Oh man, like. You know, like I, I tell you what I love at Critchfields, and I hope they sell them again this year. Are the it was little bell-shaped, uh, just white cream insides. Ooh. My dad loved those. What oh, is this? Can't come up with not it. Not like is there, are they almost like a Blue Monday where it's just that like white? A, yeah, and they're just cream little drop? tiny bell-shaped. Yeah, things. just a cream drop. Yeah, cream drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. chocolate covered. Oh, those are great. <laughs> those are great. I think I, my grand, my mother-in-law makes a blackberry jam cake with like a caramel icing. It's a classic Southern cake. Yeah. I really look forward to that. Oh, yeah. I, it's not something I would have enjoyed as a kid, but now I, I really, I really like that. It's a dense kind of hearty f- fruit cake with a caramel icing, and I enjoy a piece of that with coffee. Christmas yeah. is cookie season for me. Yeah, just all things, just all things. Yeah, they're everywhere. Do you ice them? No, 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 no. You mean like the decorated, yeah, cookies? decorated cookies? They don't make it that long. Like, I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to decorate a cookie. I'm not going to spend an hour decorating a cookie I'm going to eat in three seconds. Yeah. Just put it in my mouth. Yeah. Give it to me. Yeah, I like I like that, that everybody seems to have cookies or be making cookies this time of year. And that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah no one's did. ever upset if you bring cookies somewhere. I did. I made sugar cookies and they were a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> but they were still I ain't doing cookies. it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You, everybody have a happy and safe holiday. Uh, Merry Christmas, a happy new year, and we'll see you next year. It's Food News and Cheese Radio. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.